0: Hey, welcome aboard. This is comparing apples to oranges. I'm Mike. Hi, I'm Liz. Thank you for joining us, Liz. Uh this is the podcast where we take two things in the same category that don't belong in the same genre and using a certain set of criteria created just for today. We're going to decide which one is better. Liz, welcome aboard. This is your first podcast with me. Um, yes. This is not your first podcast. You're a uh, straight-up veteran of the <laughs> the the new radio of the future. Uh, you have yeah. a handful of podcasts you do consistently, and yes. you actually helped found a podcast network that yes. you've, like, have you dabbled in like maybe six or seven ongoing podcasts at a time what what's your what's your record over there
1: oh gosh um well it really just depends so i'm part of the calamity cast network of shows we're a st louis-based podcast network um we typically do mostly comedy-based things um we do we focus on audio dramas but also have the talking heads shows like this so I'm specifically a part of Dick of the Week, which is a romance novel podcast with my friend Stephanie, where we talk about everything we love and hate about romance novels, um, which is part of the reason we picked the topic that you and I are talking about today. Oh,
0: exciting.
1: And then I help write and voice act in Love and Lust, which is a romance audio drama. And then I help write and voice act in Space America, which is a sci-fi audio drama and i am the co-host of defenders of the night which is a gargoyles recap rewatch show with my friend daniel and i am a voice actor in jane the ripper which is a thriller
0: horror audio drama
1: and i think that's
0: it (laughs) that's an exhausting list we'll definitely have links to that in the show notes later but that's, uh, just to show you, uh, this is not Liz's first rodeo. So
1: happy to have <laughs> you along.
0: Um, Thank you. yeah. So I brought up read a romance novel and then, um, watch a movie that had something to do with it because, uh, you had mentioned your, I, I saw all of your stuff for the first time when I went to, um, the live, per- live reading at the heavy anchor back before the yes. world broke. But that was like two years ago, right?
1: Yeah, that was um, kind of the big launch of Space America existing, and Love and Lust was about to, or I think at that point, Love and Lust had one or two episodes out. Um, So we were still pretty new as a full network, actively putting out more than one show.
0: And if you want to hear all of uh, Liz's like origin story as a romance reader, writer, and commentator, like, check out dick of the week so we're just going to do like a super quick version of that because <laughs> you're showing it like you it's one of those things where you the, you guys have a topic but eventually you just sort of like disclose information about yourselves and you yeah it's like you're listening to people having a conversation and you know them sort of podcast, <laughs> and so like uh I knew that you were a huge fan of romance reading but yes. you it's more of a recent interest of yours all it's sort of would you consider it a hobby or a pastime romance, the reading romance novels and romance what what's the topic <laughs> is it just romance
1: uh i mean i mean romance novels a specific genre so like uh, there's so many subcategories within that genre of, of books, uh, but really the the important thing is that the love story is a central part of the plot. There can be as many other subplots as you want happening, and the more you have, the more interesting the book really is. Um, And there has to be a happy ending. So whether that means... Sometimes that's a happily ever after. Sometimes a happy for now, but like you just, you, when the book ends, you know that that couple is in a good place. Sometimes that means engagement. Sometimes that means marriage. Sometimes that just means we're really happy and content right now. So
0: now something, uh, I was listening to that. I did not have any concept was such an important thing in the current romance, uh, I don't know, generation of writers, is that they all exist in series, and sometimes the, that means that there's, like, books are interconnected. Now, the the book we read is sort of a special case of that, but it seems like one romance writer, when they start their first one, they're expected to at least do three or four books.
1: Yeah, that is really common, um, especially in this day and age of eBooks. Mm-hmm. People assume that you are going to crank out a whole bunch of books, especially if you're an indie author, uh, which is the route that I am probably going. Is more the indie route once I start actually publishing my books. But um, traditional publishing does take a lot longer, so you're only expected maybe a book, maybe two a year, uh, but Indie people expect, like, a new book every few months, which is utterly exhausting. But one of the easiest things to do with that, and, and it's also just interesting in my uh, point of view that, say, you have your main characters. Um, so in my my book that I'm working on, I have my main couple, and then they each kind of have, like, you know, their, their friends that end up interacting with each other. So then you are like, okay, well, that person's single and that person's single, so the next book will be a back... About them, so book one couple will still be present in book two, but it's not their story anymore; it's the other couple's story, and that's it is pretty interwoven. A lot of authors do that, um, and people get excited when characters from book one suddenly show up in book five or whatever. If or you can sometimes then start a whole new series and have like cameos from people from the from the first series then come in. It's all it's one big, happy book universe that typically people write in. Now, you can have it that, like, series A is about these people and series B is about totally other people maybe in a totally other place and there's no interconnection at all. That's pretty common, too. Um, But within a series, typically, yeah. I mean, there there are cases where someone just writes a complete standalone which, like, this book universe only exists in this book and it's not going to be expanded anyway other than that, but that isn't really that common um and then you can do more like the 50 shades of gray thing where it's a trilogy and it's the same same couple for each book but that doesn't seem as common
0: yeah so besides like uh all of the harlequin books that show Mm -hmm. up at the goodwill by my house (laughs) the two things i know about romance novels is 50 shades of gray and outlander Uh, Okay. before I started listening to your Dick of the Week podcast and was like just overwhelmed with the sheer volume of people writing. And then when I looked up our uh, book, because it specifically belongs to a special kind of series, I was astounded with the volume (laughs) that people are producing. And the majority, I would say like 12 books, granted, they were by different authors, all came out in the last less than 70 days and just, just, and you know, granted, some of these books are kind of a fast read. Like our book was less than 250 pages, right? but it's 250 Kindle pages. And I don't understand. I, I didn't count how many words on a page, but it doesn't seem it's, it's felt longer than a novella, but I wouldn't classify it. You know, it, it doesn't have as much weight as I would assume that. You know, when you're like, oh yeah, so and so wrote a novel. You're like, oh well, it's got to be a minimum of 300 pages. Those are kind of arbitrary things, but I mean, people are every single one is over 100 pages. And like right. I said, somebody's writing one of these every couple months, so that means that they have to have an idea, flush it out, put it on paper, and then someone has to edit it. All like that's that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff. So I, I don't yeah, know and like.
1: Happening. And like you mentioned, what we read, um, it's it's a, its a weird thing that's been popping up. There's a couple versions of this now. Uh, the book oh. we read is within the um, A Cocky Hero Club production. Um, and so there's these two authors, V. Keelan and Penelope Ward. And the two of them each have their own books that they write, but they also then co-write a whole bunch of books together. And um, it's the Cocky Bastard series. And they created this whole universe, and the books are all standalones, but, you know, certain characters might pop up elsewhere, or there might be certain things that are kind of interwoven within that universe. And so they created almost their own little, like, publishing company, so other authors could actually decide. Like, it's almost a little bit like fan fiction in a way, that, like, like, oh, like, I liked this, um... So like the book we read takes place within the, I believe, the stuck up suit world. Oh.
0: Um and That makes sense.
1: T- so the guy that is um the investor, he had his own main Yeah, Graham. Okay. He had his own book within that V and Penelope wrote together. It so felt,
0: this off He felt very that relationship felt very flushed out. Yeah. And, like for for this for the story that we read where it was just these two people, almost you know, and they're inside their heads for most of the time. It seemed unusual that this random character, not a random, this tertiary character would have like also an interesting story. So it, I I had guessed from all of the clues that you had laid out from other books that he had also like his. They're just like yeah, he had a mysterious daughter and this this. this. I'm like this is definitely. One of the earlier books, right? <laughs> yeah. So
1: that's actually that his story was written by the original authors, oh, and so I guess. Okay. So this person, um, I know you know, sh- I don't know if they can some if they sometimes tap authors and be like, "Hey, would you like to write inside our universe?" But okay. if you go to their if you go to their website, there's a submission thing that like you can say, "Hey, I liked." something that happened in, gosh, Park Avenue Player. Uh, And that, you know, triggered an idea that I want to write something within that world. And And then like, if they like your idea, then you have the green light then to write that story. And then it would be within their universe. So I assume they get, you know, a percentage of whatever you make based on the book since you're writing. Like, a lot of it is you're still creating your main characters and your like what's happening, but there's something that's connected to the universe that V and Penelope created together.
0: That's
1: very cool. Yeah. And there's, um, another author has a similar thing whose name I'm not going to read. Penny Reed, I think is her name. Um, but she does a similar thing that I think she did hers first. Um, that whole idea of like, other authors can write within her universe and they like kind of have her stamp on it. So it's one of those things like it helps the original authors since they're the ones also getting benefits from this. But also if you're a newer writer and you're like, Oh, I wrote within V and Penelope's world, then like that kind of forces more eyes on you as well, I guess. And then maybe then people will see the books that you write on your own and be like, Oh, well I liked what you did in the cocky hero universe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to check out your solo
0: books kind of thing. Sense. Yeah. It's
1: yeah.
0: There's, it's hard to not see the parallels in like how the Marvel cinematic universe. And then, you know, every, everybody is trying to do this. Like even yes. universal a couple years ago was trying to like redo their monsters. And they're, they're they said, we're going to do a dark universe. We're going to have oh
1: lose. yeah and it
0: immediately failed. And then, like, all these other things are trying to, you know, the Fantastic Beast universe is trying to recapture the Harry Potter craze. And it's it makes a lot of sense in both for the fans, where it's like, hey, we know you like this IP, this content. We're going to make it more real. We're going to take a random character like Boba Fett and we're going to give him a whole story, you know. And, like, there's all this stuff that mm-hmm. has to, this is clearly for money-making purposes but yes speaking as a fan like this, sometimes more content isn't a bad thing you know there's always like the 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 biggest one that uh happened with the marvel cinematic universe was like they gave guardians of the galaxy to a, a fairly unknown um director and they're just right like, almost nobody knew who they were before like in, in the marvel universe nobody really knew who they were because they were so Low tier as a comic, and then he just did something that blew up, and now everybody tries to copy that, you know? I know. Yeah, for sure. So I, you kind of can't help but see that parallel, but I'm sure that, like most things, romance novels have been around for a while and we're already doing something interesting, and now it's like we have to see it under the umbrella of the Marvel Cinematic Universe because they make so many billions of dollars. So. <laughs>
1: Right. And I mean, and romance novels is the highest grossing form of literature that's out there. Um, It's always what makes the most money in publishing, which is annoying that publishers also kind of turn a blind eye to it. They're like, yes, you please keep making us all this money. But no, we're not going to give you the respect that you deserve.
0: It's just such an it's so clear that they have figured out digital or like. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Like uh, quite honestly, uh, romance novels were the first genre to really, really embrace the eBooks. And I would say, like, when I worked on my MFA in creative writing, it was like that the concept of self-publishing was so like, oh, like I guess you yeah. failed at Absolutely. like getting traditionally published. Whereas romance writers like embraced it, and they're like, no, like. I can control everything, and especially the people that started earlier on, like, they made bank, and people are like, oh, and, you know, I will say it is easier when you find a self-published book to find something that they didn't bother paying someone to edit it properly or whatever, so, like, you can crank out books really fast, and some people choose to then just not write as well as if they – just, you know, slowed down a little and took a little bit more time. Sure. So, but, but I'd say the majority, I mean, I, I read a lot of indie authors and a lot of them are very high quality and very well done.
0: I think it's kind of hard to, I think the reason people were initially against digital self-publishing is because you can't get eyes on it. Like people don't read that stuff or they didn't read it as much, maybe 12 years ago. But yeah. now, like if you're charging a dollar for your ebook that it took you three months to write and then you get a hundred thousand people to read it, that means you made a hundred thousand dollars in three months. And like you kind of can't argue with that as successful. You know? Right. Like mm-hmm. whether you consider success making money or success people reading your stuff, it's it kind of it's the argument is yours. Like <laughs> people are reading your thing that means you're a successful published author that's the that's how that works
1: and it's also just a major plus especially i mean it is it's always been a known fact that romance writer romance readers read a lot more than the average reader Mm -hmm. like we just consume so many books so like before i joined kindle unlimited which is the book we read as part of kindle unlimited which i was
0: happy about yeah it was under like the amazon publisher llc yeah
1: Uh, so Kindle Unlimited, for people who don't know, if you spend 9.99 a month, you get to read as many books within the Kindle Unlimited uh, category as you can, and you can have up to ten in your library at a time. Um, so when I realized, oh, I'm spending a stupid amount of money
0: <laughs> on romance novels, independent writers, but yes, yes,
1: <laughs> but. But when I was reading like six books a week right. and <laughs> yeah. you know that ranged anywhere from 99 cents to $5 a book right. that adds up real fast. So doing a uh, doing the, the Kindle Unlimited has made me a bit more um aware <laughs> yeah. and and better with not just a cuz it's so easy. You're like 2.99, that's a steal and you just click it and then you realize you've done that 5 times. You're like, "Uh-oh.
0: <laughs> that's fair." And uh, so I think we should get into it. We, we've laid yeah. the groundwork pretty well. So uh, the book, the romance novel we read was called The Brainy Bartender, uh, <laughs> published May 31st, 2020, which, again, probably one of the most up to date things I've done for this podcast or possibly one of the like most recent things I've read full stop, like the last like book I had. It's like from 2018. I'm like, hey, look at me. I'm reading modern fiction. <laughs> but this came out during the coronavirus. Well, it was published. Yeah. I don't know when it was written. So um it is considered contemporary romance fiction, and it's written by Natalie Ann, who, uh, among her other famous works, she, she wrote the Fierce Five series, which we get to, it's about a set of quintuplets that own a microbrewery. Uh, oh,
1: my God! The, wait, that's that exists? Like, that's an actual thing?
0: Yeah. The, oh, this, my God! This author wrote about them, and I don't know if she talked to the Cocky Hero team or if they were already part of the Cocky Hero Club or whatever, but... I don't think so. Yeah, no. there's, there's a set of quintuplets, four boys and a girl, that uh, run a restaurant and have a microbrewery. In and
1: they show charleston. up charleston
0: and they show up in this book they're like friends with the lead in the book we read uh she also wrote a, a road series uh where road is in each of the titles and all series where all shows up in the titles a lake placid series which i don't think is about the alligator <laughs> i did not look into it and then a series about love that i don't know about And then it looked like sometimes she had a book that crossed two of her own series. Like she had an all series and a road series book that came together in one. Hmm. So this is just one of those things where it's super easy to like make a flow chart of and it'd be pretty easy to follow. But it would also it's like a family tree. It's just very intense. And there's a lot of overlap. And in a lot of ways that I think that would be good as a reader where you're like, oh, I remember this character and it's easier to like have a fully realized character if you've already had them in another book and you pop them in yours.
1: Yes. And actually a lot of people, um, cause I'm in a lot of different Facebook romance writer and reader groups. And, um, there's, I have at least several authors where fans have been like, you know what, I'm sitting down and I'm making that chart and then we'll share it with the group to be like okay this character's book is this but they pop up in all these other books and so you can kind of like you know keep track of who is who and how they're all interconnected who's related to who who dated who like it's really fascinating that people That's really cool yeah also i just looked it up um the fierce five books started in 2018 so okay. she wrote those so she wrote them first and then added the plopped them into her cocky
0: book okay very cool now yeah so it sounds like have you read any of the natalie ann books before no she is brand new to me okay well she's got quite the bibliography here so if you need to if you're ever at a loss <laughs> <laughs> so i'm gonna read the blurb that you sent me and then we yeah. can talk about the the uh the like the more extended blurb has the some of the plot in it but uh it says add one hidden past a dash of a pretend roll, a shot of steamy chemistry. Put it in a shaker, then pour for one exotic cocktail on the rocks. That's where we start. Uh, So <laughs> you texted me before I started reading it, but you had gotten, I'm assuming like 20% in, and you're just like, hey, I got to the first... Sex scene, and I wanted to tell you this is not (laughs) typical, and some of the dialogue isn't very good. So, well,
1: yeah, like it wasn't like well, it wasn't like anything weird, and and, and it wasn't like oh something weird is happening during the sex scene. It's just (sighs) I'm sure Natalie Ann won't ever hear me talk about her on this podcast. But I'm saying
0: this directly to her.
1: Oh, uh, don't!
0: I'm very good (laughs) with her.
1: My biggest problem uh, with with books in general, but specifically my issue I had with this book was I thought the dialogue was very stiff, and um, the way just they all talked to each other, um, the the main characters, but was, but even more so the the main characters with people in their lives, like how um, Harper interacted with her mom or her friends or i mean Wesley didn't really have much of fr- of, of friends but like how he, he interacted with really anyone but but i feel like it really so that was already bothering me just the unrealistic and kind of stiff dialogue that was happening um and then when we got to the first sex scene i was just like are you kidding like really come on now like <laughs> I don't know, like, I like just very natural dialogue, and it just felt forced, I guess, and it pulled me out of
0: it a little bit, but... One thing that I found, uh... One thing I would critique about the writing is that most of the exposition comes through dialogue, and that's a really unusual thing to read, is when someone said he he was he would talk about how he he said oh yeah i used to be i used to not look like this i was very scrawny people made fun of me and called me brainy and that's not something that you say out loud to someone and then they react in a way that shows sympathy you're just like what are you talking about like like so much of the dialogue should have been like uh, showing us something I you know the classic problem about show don't tell you know yeah where we are constantly inside these characters' heads like a scene will happen and then I'll go to the next chapter and then we'll go back in time a little bit to replay the exact scene but in the other character's head. Yeah, which is I don't have a problem switching perspectives. I think that's a creative way to write. And from what I understand, it's like that's pretty common in some of the romance novels where you the same yes. story is developed, but through different perspectives. And there's a lot of like there's you know, that's very fertile ground to create interesting stories. But so much of the dialogue does the work for us that there's no need for us to hear what these people are thinking because they said it out loud moments ago. So right. it felt even though it was a fairly short book, so much of it could have been cut down because it felt redundant. And I think I was upset because both of them seem pretty boring as people. Like yeah, he, so he, our main male character is described as uh so he is a bodybuilder type physique and he is a certified genius who owns manages and then works at a bar right however the they constantly talk about how he refuses to be a slave to his grandfather and his grandfather's money. Right. But they don't give any examples of his grandfather being a jerk. They just well, like they
1: they keep talking about how controlling the grandfather is and how like he was supposed to be uh, a medical or he was supposed to be a doctor and not he didn't want to a
0: doctor a heart, a heart surgeon. surgeon and he's Which... like I'm not gonna do that or like what why not we don't but need I mean... more bartenders we need more heart surgeons it's <laughs> like what a weird thing to like come out against especially and then release this book in a medical pandemic crisis it's like yeah you're right <laughs> we definitely don't need more heart surgeons read the room natalie ann <laughs>
1: um i mean like i understand the whole like uh i'm not gonna let my family control me like i make my own destiny and so he comes from a really wealthy really well-to-do family and he was a very famous well-known heart surgeon who then created this like heart valve thing i don't really know what yeah. he created something this that was machine. very the something that was like very I
0: don't know. yeah
1: yeah Very important for hearts and saving people (laughs) and made even more money. And so he is the one who has all the money in the family. And therefore, like, everyone just falls in line and does what grandpa says so they can have.
0: Like go to medical school.
1: But like, Mike, if you really didn't want to be a doctor and you were forced to go to medical school, that's a really long, painful process or
0: something you really don't want. Not if you're a genius like him. I mean, yeah. It seems like they should have just picked something where we couldn't get behind it. You know, like, what's a job that people all... Like, if he was a sleazy, you know... Lawyer. Yeah, if he was an ambulance chaser. Or if he did corporate law and his whole job was to, like, scam people out of money or to make sure that people weren't paying taxes, like...
1: It is weird that it's like, my grandpa saved lives. I don't want to have anything to do with that.
0: <laughs> he, at one, near the climax of the story, like, his grandpa's like, I need to have open heart surgery. And just to think, if you had listened to me, you would be doing this on me. It's <laughs> <So> like, wait. <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's important. Pro- he probably should be doing this surgery on you. But And, it's, <laughs> and again, nothing against bartenders, but... I, that's not necessarily like a super noble profession in light of someone who does surgery on hearts. I don't know. It 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 just seemed like a convoluted. I understood, but it, they cut and pasted it, and it didn't seem right when they did it.
1: Well, and like you know, I'm I am totally fine with like the controlling grandpa and him being like wanting to force people's careers on it because i could talk about like oh like my dad's also a doctor just because to appease him and my cousins are like he, he hand picked out the careers for everyone in their family and he was like i want to pick my own career Right. which i i don't know why like did he go he didn't go to he was a bio major why couldn't he be like hey like i want to get my mfa in business yeah. and be a small business owner like i don't know like i feel like he could have utilized like he doesn't have, like, how did he, yes, he ended up with the money, so he got the check from his grandpa for his, like, first part of his,
0: right, quarter million and, dollars.
1: Yeah, and had this guy Graham, and he's the one that connects it to the cocky hero world, right. um, to be like, you have a year to make me a million dollars, and he does, and then he uses that to open his bar, which he cheekily named Cardiac Arrest.
0: <laughs> did it seem like because a huge issue is that he's trying to hide his past. He's the hidden past in the ingredient list. Yeah. But, but then he, like, sort I don't know if he... Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Sorry. I, you keep going. <laughs> keep. No,
1: no, no. Th- I agree. Like, there was aspects of it. And, like, I don't understand... Like I guess just living in St. Louis and knowing people who own bars, I wouldn't be like, You own a bar? Oh my god, you must be a bajillionaire. Like right. Like he moved from New York City to Charlotte yes. Charlotte, where no one knows him. Why would anyone like bat an eye if he's like, Oh by the way, I'm the owner of this fucking place?
0: Right. The that way, was okay. what I never
1: understood.
0: That's fine. Like
1: like, hey, I'm the owner, I'm also managing it, and for some reason I must all like does he not enough management jobs to do that? Like he also has time to bartend every day. I'm like, when do you do all the rest of your shit?
0: <laughs> like, that's the, so that's, that's why I thought he wasn't interesting. They describe his day. He wakes up, he works out, he goes into work, he leaves work, he reads, and then he goes to bed. And I'm like, yeah. this guy sucks. Like, I, I, he's so right. boring.
1: Right. You, you spent all this time and energy to reinvent yourself, and this is what you came up with? Yeah. Like, yeah, you get to have your bar, and you like, you like working behind the bar. But it's not even like he's like, I'm a genius, and I, using, like, my chemical knowledge, have created all these amazing new cocktails. Like, yeah. be a mixologist, for fuck's sake.
0: That's what, what I like, found. Yeah, that's a really good point. Like, whenever you see people who are starting a restaurant and they're like, yeah, my life is in this restaurant. I'm doing like, you know, 20 hour days or whatever. And then you find out that like they've created the menu. They're in touch with like local farmers and they're talking to all these different people and they have, they they're so integrated into the actual restaurant. They're not just managing it. They're right. They're all of their ideas are coming to fruition. And then they're constantly trying to innovate. This guy's just like, uh, yeah, I put a bunch of shit on the wall. That's kind of funny. Um, I think I'm going to franchise out. Like, He doesn't make the menu, because that's the whole thing with like the crazy uh, head executive chef.
1: Which, does- didn't you think that was going to be more of a thing? Like He kept talking about this crazy chef, and like he makes great things, but he's so hard to work with. I thought that was going to end up being a much more conflict issue, and it ended up being nothing.
0: Uh, I don't know, a crab salad. I guess that sounds good. I don't know, it didn't sound very good to me. <laughs> crab salad and nachos are, like, the only two things that they mention in this bar having. So, <laughs> I do know, salad, because the mom gets a salad. But, and that's, a, yeah, so he doesn't do any of his own, like, fancy cocktails. He doesn't make his own beer or anything. Like Right, because uh, he, he... He's basically a franchisee of, like, a, you know, a, of an Applebee's, effectively. Like... He right. Just puts shaftskys on the walls that have to do with his grandpa, rather than like pictures of Marilyn Monroe and like exactly Stooges. Otherwise, it's <laughs> this is just like a 54th Street Grill, basically. Like not that impressed, bro. I don't know.
1: <laughs> right. Like he spent a million dollars on this, really, bro. But apparently, like, but but and yet it's like the the hot place to be if you're like a single person or like on the prowl or going out with, you know, your girlfriends or whatever. I'm like, but, but why? Like nothing, I guess nothing, even though the bar was such an important aspect to this book, but nothing about it was all that interesting other than he was ironically doing shit that was heart surgery related. Correct. But that had nothing to do with the names of the drinks or the names of the food or any of that type of stuff. It was like, oh, there's some medical stuff on the wall.
0: <laughs> now tell, me, let's let's jump into our female lead, uh, Harper Fairchild. It says, Harper Fairchild was the redheaded stepchild. Literally, she's <laughs> not though. She's the only non-step daughter of the mom. She is not yeah. a stepchild. I well, mean, she's, she's a stepchild to the to the dad stepdad, who but we get who... nothing on besides he's meek. Is that no? That's how they described yeah. his. Fu- yeah,
1: well, more, uh, both. I mean, it's not like yeah. both dads on both sides
0: kind of sucked. Meek. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Also, they mention how she is hyper intelligent. Yes. Besides the one comment about how coffee, if you only drink one cup of coffee, there's like a specific enzyme that makes you sleepy neither of these people said anything that i would consider intelligent yeah hyper intelligent right like i mean she works he says he's a certified genius (laughs) like (laughs) and he just like from the fda they come and like stamp him
1: (laughs) raise it just it almost seemed like he just knew random facts
0: but he doesn't list any facts besides no not really
1: like, there was something else, like, I don't remember, there was something else in one of their conversations that he, like, understood what she was talking, because she's a food scientist, and Which- she was talking about something, and and he was like, oh, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, yeah, how'd you know that? And he's like, ugh.
0: But you can't even Like, being a scientist isn't a thing. Like, you're a researcher, and a lot of that is just data entry. Not to say that, like, data entry is stupid, but, like, what they're purporting is that she's, an inventor and that is not what her job is her job <laughs> is to look at stuff and record it which is very valuable and very important for science but it doesn't make her a genius for working there or vice versa like you don't need to have a specific iq to be a food researcher i don't know
1: yeah and maybe that's why her mom i mean her mom keeps on her about getting her phd Right. Which i'm like
0: okay, that's a random thing, like, whatever. They don't say in what? They just keep saying a PhD. It's like, no, you know you have to pick a subject, right? (laughs) (laughs) It's not like, oh, I have a master's. Like, in what? You're like, I have to pick something? Oh, no. It's like, you can't just say words out loud. You gotta, I don't know. (laughs) That confused me.
1: I feel like Natalie Ann didn't do a whole lot of research on what any of the career's Yes. really exist of an encompass, uh, which is fine to an extent, but since both of their jobs were so integral to the book, it's not like, like oh, and I'm a blah, 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 and that's right. never really mentioned again, but, like, yes. their jobs and their careers are very, very important to the plot and to, like, pretty much we see her at her job or we see her at his bar most of the time. Yes. So, it yeah, like, I was like, if you're gonna be that involved with the job, then you have to have the information to back it up.
0: And that's another thing. She's very boring too. She goes to work and then goes home. There's she doesn't. These people have nothing besides one mention that they read. And so this is another like, uh, they said they read a Dot Hutchison book, and then they mentioned that it's part of the Collector series. So I looked it up. She's a, like a real life author. Oh. So I, I didn't know if she belonged in the cocky bastard, or cocky hero club or whatever. Or if it's just like, this is one way. Like this is kind of a nod to my readers. I don't know. But. Uh, yeah. And she's a young adult author, which there's nothing I have nothing against young adult authors or books, but it just seemed unusual for these two people who constantly talk about how smart they are to be reading something specifically meant for a high schooler. And then to be like, Oh yeah, I read it so fast. You're like, yeah, it's like, it's not for you, big guy. Like you're supposed to be reading. <laughs> I don't know. You're supposed to, he does a lot of paperwork though. So maybe he just wants to take his mind off it. That's so, possible. Cause they say um, he does paperwork 70% of the time. He's at work. He's doing paperwork. <laughs> 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 sounds awful. I hate paperwork. So.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. And like her big thing. So like the, the whole part of Harper is like she wears these drab clothes like yeah. she has no sense of style. I'm really
0: interested in what you have to say to this, because I can easily just write it off as, well, this is some like anti-feminist bullshit. However, the author is a female. And so I'm like, uh, I, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say about that. Most of this character's arc is about her wearing clothes that make her feel comfortable. And confident.
1: Yeah. Like, I think there could have been maybe a slightly better way for them to show that, oh, she's she's meek. She doesn't have any she's lacking all confidence. Like she she doesn't have a real sense of who she is. And the way that they decide to really show that is she starts like stepping out of her comfort zone with her clothing and initially it's because her friend forces her to wear this like sexy black dress on a blind date and the blind date goes horrible. And so on her way home from that horrible date, which she ends up in Wes's bar and that's how they meet. And so he sees her as this like confident, fiery redhead who is sexy and blah, blah, blah. When really she's like playing a part right now. Um And like, <sighs> I'm all for characters, like, determining and discovering who their true self is and gaining confidence and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. I I almost wish there had been more to it than just clothing for her, though. Like, and the fact that she would eat by herself at a bar. Right. Cool, bro. Like, I I feel like there should have been other aspects of her confidence building, like, standing up to herself against... Her mom, for real, like she didn't actually really. I mean, she did that to an extent, but not really. Like she wasn't ever like, "Mom, the way you talk to me hurts me, and yeah. I really want you to stop." Like she never really. Like instead, she she was always like passive aggressive or just always immediately on the, um, the defense and just like aggressive to her. Like I was like, "All right, like."
0: That's a they- really good point. I I really liked your comment or your analysis that, like, it's she doesn't know who she is yet. I think that's a really good point. Uh, the book never did come out and say that, and the, the book puts a lot of stuff explicitly. They're like, hey, she is doing a pretend role because she's comfortable, but she's not comfortable because she doesn't like herself, but she wants to like herself, but she doesn't know what herself is yet. I, yeah. That's almost verbatim. And what you said made way more sense, and uh, I, I don't know – if I was, I was upset that they had a, like they went shopping scene <laughs> and it was two chapters. Cause it was her view and then his view. And I'm like, I don't, I, I think in one way it kind of instantly dates the book or granted it is, it was written like two months <laughs> ago. So that's not a big <laughs> deal. But like the, whenever you like lock something in to make those sort of references, it's sort of the book is obviously not going to last, is what I don't know. That that's what I'm picking up from it.
1: Well, yeah, and you know, and at least at least during that, Wes was very much like, well, does this make you happy? How does this make you feel? Like he, it wasn't like, oh, I think you'd be really sexy in this, which yeah. she kept being like, hey, like, what do you think about this? and blah blah blah. And he's like, no, this isn't about me. This is about you. So I like that that at least semi-saved that whole thing for me, that yeah. he was not like, here, let me... Yeah, uh, he was not being per- a jerk. Here, let me pretty woman you, and yes, like...
0: that's a very good point.
1: So, like, I appreciated that he was trying to just be moral support and not, here, this is how you be sexy. Mm-hmm. Um, But, yeah, I mean... Especially because she had already... I mean, not that they showed us that she went shopping before, but she had talked several times, like, oh, I picked up some new this and new that. Yeah. And then, like, what, okay, what I, what frustrated me about her is, um, so eventually one of the big, like, come to head moments between the two of them is he shows up at her work and she's wearing her drab and boring clothes and is, like, lacking confidence and is, like, hunched over yeah. because she had purposely, every time she's seen him, has, like, dressed up. T- Dressed up, did her makeup, blah, 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 put on contacts, whatever it might be. Um, and she had started slowly doing that at work with, like, little things here and there. And then suddenly she's like, i got too much attention. And it freaked me out. Don't tell me that. Like, I, that's a scene I want to see. Like, what? Suddenly, so, like, Because literally it was, like, one paragraph she was talking about these clothes she's wearing at work. And then she, he shows up and she's in her, like... I, whatever brown baggy pants and oversized sweater and whatnot but like we didn't get to see that disconnect like why she backtracked and why she lost confidence and i think that was not
0: good and we already know that there's like a guy at work that has a crush on her and he's not inappropriate but he's annoying and so i was waiting for her to like show up and like wow him into like hey, I'm confident you don't get to talk to me. Like, I was waiting for any sort of moment like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well. There Um, was a
1: lot about this book that I'm like, oh, if I had been her beta reader, I would have just been like, let me have it. Let me fix it. (laughs) I I just want to rewrite this. (laughs) Like, I feel like it had some, it had some entertaining and good ideas. I just don't think it was fully, uh, executed well
0: yes uh and that was most of the like the lowest this book got on amazon was some three-star reviews and most of them were like great idea just didn't manage to tick all the marks for me uh one thing i found unusual most of the negative comments were like they didn't like that it wasn't first person are romance novels primarily in first person
1: a lot of indie books are not all um so a lot of times like it, it's uh, I, not all books do the like you're in her head and you're sure, in his head sure, um, sure. A, but a lot of them do like a lot of them do the dual point of view and a lot of times it is first person um i have noticed that a lot of more traditionally published books do tend to be more third um sometimes first but like both exist um But I was a little surprised when I started reading this one that it was third. I just assumed it was going to be first for some reason, but it didn't. Like initially, it just—I think it took me like two pages to really have my brain adjust, and then I was fine. Okay, cool. Like I didn't—I didn't have issue with it being third person. I think though, if it had been first person, we could have avoided some of the, like we could have been more in their head and had a little less of of the like, Oh, I have to explain this out loud. And now in my head, I'm doing kind of a repeat of that, but like differently.
0: (laughs) Okay. Um, and then they live happy ever after. So it is technically, it fulfills the romance, uh, part right there. Yeah. There was a happy ending. Yeah. So I think we're ready to talk about roadhouse. It is a 1989 American action thriller. Uh, I'm going to read you the one-sentence summary. It's called, or it says, A cooler at a newly refurbished roadside bar who protects a small town in Missouri from a corrupt businessman. Uh, What can you elucidate for our our happy listeners? What's a cooler?
1: (laughs) Uh, So I ended up having to look that up um, because I was very... I was like I mean he's not a refrigerator like Isn't he? <laughs> um but uh, a cooler is a type of bouncer um I think they they're supposed to work the floors and kind of like settle things instead of like yes like it, it, it I mean it's a type of bouncer but it's kind of to, to cool the situation down to keep things you know in the 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 type of atmosphere that you're wanting and to disperse of the troublemakers
0: <laughs> that's, that's well put uh so it's directed by rowdy harrington who he doesn't have a lot of stuff besides this is his most famous film uh and it's written by david lee henry and hillary hankin uh who they wrote the movie i think came out in the 90s which is an academy award we're an academy award winner called wag the dog uh also released in 1989, um, or Patrick Swayze had just gotten done with Dirty Dancing, which was a yeah. more recent. And then uh, Kelly Lynch is the female lead who, that same year, she was in an Academy Award-winning film. Um, she's all over the place. She has a huge filmography. And then The Bad Guy uh, is played by Ben... Zariah? I don't know how to say his name. Oh, Gazara. Ben Gazara.
1: Gazara. Jeremy Jeremy got very excited when he popped up on the screen. Uh,
0: So he's in some John Cassavetes films, uh, specifically Husbands and Killing of a Chinese Bookie, which uh, Jeremy and I recently had done a John Cassavetes one. So that's kind of a fun connection there. Um, Do you know the name of the Missouri town they talk about off the top of your head? Because that uh, the double deuce is in. No, I so forgot. It's in Jasper, Missouri, which is a real place, but it's filmed in California. So of that's, course, that's not great. Um, <laughs> what can you tell me about this movie? What what impressions did it leave you?
1: Uh, I I mean, actually, I overall really enjoyed it.
0: It is, a, um, it is a supremely. It's got a lot of stuff that makes you enjoy it, whether you want to or not, and it's yeah, also like most of it, you are just like, I don't I, what's oh what's happening now.
1: Um, I was I really liked Sam Elliott's character. Okay,
0: so talk about him. He is. Uh, I left him off because he was too confusing for me to try to describe. So I want you to give it a go. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like him as a character? Yeah. Who is he in this film? Um, from what I understand, he was—he's a different bar owner that Patrick Swayze's character had done the same thing, like had helped turn his place around, and like, for, <laughs> Patrick Swayze is like this famous cooler that bounces from bar to bar. And helps, like, he's kind of like bar impossible guy. Mm-hmm. And um, so that he gets hired on to fix these places. And it's from what I could figure out, it sounds like Sam Elliott was um someone who owns a bar that he had helped with once upon a time.
0: Actually, uh, Sam Elliott is the most famous cooler. So at the beginning, uh, okay. uh, he cut, like.
1: But they you know, worked together at some point. Yes,
0: in Memphis, when all the bad shit went down. And it's. I'm assuming Patrick Swayze slept with a married woman, and then the guy tried to kill him, and so. And that's the first throat he ripped out. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: But Sam Elliott is just like typical Sam Elliott
0: cool guy in this movie. Much <laughs> younger than I've ever yes. seen him, but still relatively old, right? Yeah, but also kind of sexy. Are you talking specifically about the time when he pulls his pants down
1: (laughs) i just mean in general like he has like uh, he just has that silver fox long hair like he's just i mean sam elliott no matter how old he is just looks like a fucking cowboy and has that cowboy swagger so much And it's just like pure Sam Elliott cowboy swagger bartender bouncer man in this movie.
0: <laughs> that all tracks.
1: And so, his hair, I just want to touch it. Meanwhile, Patrick Swayze has the worst hair in this movie. It's I like a cut... mullet sort of. It's like Yeah, but... I want to cut it real bad.
0: And he practices topless tai chi. Yes, he does. And... <laughs> So this movie had some unforeseen crossover with uh, the brainy bartender where Patrick Swayze graduated from NYU with... Yeah. Was it a master's? I thought it was a PhD. PhD, So he's Dr. Dalton in philosophy. Yeah. so that's again so someone who went to a prestigious Ivy League school or prestigious university who ends up working at a bar and then similarly uh, they sort of she's all that the doctor Kelly Lynch who she takes off her glasses and like dresses all sexy when she comes to the double deuce so I thought that was sort of a la Harper where she's like I'm gonna not wear my glasses <laughs> Dress provocatively.
1: Yes, and be in a place that like she. I mean she. She stood out
0: at that bar. She (laughs) She did like she had all her teeth, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. So
0: when this movie came out, I it was sort of this movie made its uh, budget back, but it like kind of crawled there, and when Mm. it came out, it was nominated for five golden raspberry awards it didn't win any of them but it was it was nominated for like worst film worst actor worst director which is oh my god interesting in today in the light of today because it is certainly a cult classic yes of the 80s even though it came out in 89
1: i'm curious when that switch happened like when this became
0: yes that's a good question
1: popular amongst people
0: uh, two things I want to bring up. One is that uh, the monster truck used was Bigfoot 7, and it the scene cost $500,000 to film, which what? in 1989 dollars is too much money for a 30-second scene that could, they could have easily just thrown some bricks through the window. I don't know. They could have done something besides a $500,000 move. I thought that was very unusual.
1: And it was so, it wasn't necessary at all. It didn't really, I mean, I guess it was kind of cool looking, but I don't know. I see monster trucks like that. And I'm just like, well, douche.
0: So <laughs> like... Cool. Oh, you, you think douche. I think so cool. That's, that's weird that we have different opinions about that. <laughs> huh. Interesting. But so yeah, which is also like, besides that scene, it, the monster truck is sort of just used for transportation like two or three other times nonchalantly in the movie. Yeah. Which is very weird to me. Yeah. Um, okay, no, I got... There's there's so much more. So, uh, in 2003, there was an off-Broadway musical production of Roadhouse. What? Which was staged as a campy comedy. Uh, and its full title was The Stage Version of the Cinema Classic... That starred Patrick Swayze. Except this one stars Ty Ack from the 80s cult classic The Last Dragon wearing a blonde mullet wig. Is what the origi- like, on the bill, that's what they had for the title. No! There was a sequel, it's called Roadhouse 2, which was to re- released directly to DVD in July 2006, uh, set many years later and telling the story of Dalton's adult son. It featured no one from the original cast and only a few references to Dalton who was reportedly shot dead before the film took place. <laughs> and oh then last God. of all, uh, as of September, 2015, it was announced that Rhonda Rousey, uh, do you know who she is? Uh, she's, I don't know. She's an MMA, like super successful MMA fighter who did some stuff for the WWE and then was in like fast seven and then some other movie where she's just like this super strong chick who beats the hell out of people. Hmm. So she was going to be uh the star in a remake of Roadhouse, not a sequel, but and uh Nick Cassavetti's John Cassavetti's son, who did the notebook <laughs> Was gonna write and direct the film. However, plans of the movie fell through, and the movie was quietly canceled in 2016. So ah darn. Like lady bouncer, that would be. Would she do the tai chi, and would she fall in love with a hunky doctor? Who knows? I hope so. I love it. But it's never gonna happen. I wanna. Oh my god! I wanna write about a lady bouncer. I think that'd be interesting. People would love that. (sighs) Ah.
1: Uh, I happen to be looking at the Roadhouse soundtrack information, and Patrick Sweezy sang on two of the songs.
0: And apparently, the, uh, Jeff Healy, the, his name's Cody in the movie, for some reason, instead of his actual name. He is blind in real life. He's blind since he was 18 months old, and he was playing that whole time, which is really cool. That is is cool. He is from Canada, so that's kind (laughs) of, that's too bad, I guess. Nobody's perfect. Uh, (laughs) But so, what would you have? What, would this have been a romance book? Would this have worked as a romance novel, or is there too much violence?
1: Oh no! I mean, you can have plenty of violence in romance novels. There's like, like mafia and thriller and all that type of stuff is very popular. So yeah, I mean, this it being like a grittier kind of uh romance that totally would work
0: now uh would it have worked because it's following a guy would it have worked better if this story was told mostly from the doctor's point of view
1: that would be a very different story like i guess it'd be is she witnessing these things happening at the bar or is it like She'd be like, hey, honey, how was your day? And he's like, oh. And she's like, well, why do you have another <laughs>
0: slash on your arm? He's like, oh. The guy with a boot knife tried to kill me again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Typical day at the bar, sweetie. <laughs>
0: so, um, I already mentioned the monster truck thing. Yeah. That's another thing that stands out to the point that you have to mention it?
1: Um, the fact that he had his fancy-ass car that he always hid and then would buy a cheap-ass car, because I, th- I I couldn't figure out why. And Jeremy's like, because it always gets destroyed. He's not going to have his fancy-ass car be destroyed. And I'm like, oh, duh. Okay. But then why does he even have a fancy car?
0: public <laughs> transport. Come on, guys.
1: Like, like It's like you, you keep it hidden in whatever town you're living in. Like, Then what's, why? Yes.
0: <laughs> that, would, that would have made way more sense.
1: I mean, of course, it's Patrick Swayze, so of course they had to have him shirtless as much as possible.
0: We see his butt uh, at least once. At the end, he does like do a naked dive into the lake? Pond? Uh, Yeah, small body of water. But we don't don't see anything. They sort of do the the Kevin Costner in uh, The Prince of Thieves where it's sort of blurry because he's... Yeah.
1: So one thing that really stood out to me was they kept talking about how small Patrick Swayze is. Yes. And I looked it up. He's 5'10", and yeah, that's not super tall. And I guess you would assume most bouncers would be like 6'2", 6'3", or whatever. Sure. Uh, Which I think Sam Elliott is at least 6'2". Yeah, um, much. But he's a buff dude. Like, he has muscle, and he has strength to him. So I'm like, I don't know. Like, it's not like he's Tom Cruise. Like, he's not that small. Thank so you. I just thought...
0: That I think what you're talking about comes up a lot in the 80s, though, because you've got your Schwarzeneggers, you've got your Stallones, and then, like, there was Jean-Claude Van Damme, and then Patrick Swayze sort of came out, and it was, like, you could be muscular and toned, yeah, you know, and you don't have to be, like, the biggest guy, you just have to be... The strongest guy, sort of thing. Right. Like you don't yeah. have to lift a car, you just need to. And the whole thing with Patrick Swayze in this movie is like he's in charge, but and he doesn't need to do brute force. He's going to be smarter than you, you know. Right. And the Tai Chi thing. I wonder if that's just sort of like, hey, you guys remember Bruce Lee? He was cool, right? Like I don't know what they're. It <laughs> just seems so unusual because Tai Chi is not technically a martial art. Like they're. You know what I mean? It's not like a judo or a,
1: you yeah, know, a keto. I, I was thinking it was more like, again, with his philosophy background yes. and just his way to stay zen and in control. That could be. And since, and since that's his big thing, is like always like not losing his cool. Especially, I mean, I think he was so scared of his strength and abilities after ripping that throat out right. the first time that I think it's his way of combating and keeping his calm and his zen.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Uh, definitely not in the movie. But... No,
1: this is just me, you know, reading into his character.
0: <laughs> Sometimes you got to read into characters like this because, uh, you know, we don't know his first name the whole time that the movie's going on. Allegedly, I did not see this, but you like some people f- saw it in his medical chart and I think it's. James? It's something with a J. I can't remember.
1: James. Yeah, that James is what the Wikipedia says. Oh, there you go.
0: There
1: you go. Oh, and there was a Mizzou sweater.
0: Yes. Uh there was when he went like when they said, Oh, you're gonna come to Jasper, they said the line about that it's outside Kansas City, but I forgot it. And then when he was buying like the clunker car, I'm like, Oh, those are old Missouri plates. I remember those. And uh, the Missouri uh oh yeah the mizzou sweatshirt and i'm like oh my gosh what's happening (laughs) just me not paying attention that's what happened so that's so good um this is a perfect time we're gonna take a break and then we'll be back in just a minute with the four category or the four criteria we're going to use to decide which one of these is a better piece of media about a bar We've got four criteria to decide which one of these uh, pieces of. Whether media? Roadhouse, yeah, that's good. Whether Roadhouse or The Brainy Bartender is a better piece of media that's about bars. Uh, so, whenever we do this podcast, we always talk about rewatchability, so we would also consider rereadability. Yes. Uh, it sounds like, Liz, you have reread a handful of the. Um, romance novels that you have particularly liked. Is yes. It, how common would you would you say that, like, ten uh, percent of the books you read a year are rereads, or what? What would, sort of what sort of stats are we talking?
1: Mm, uh, it really depends. Um. I I would say between like, probably
0: probably, ten or less percent are rereads. Okay, that's that's pretty. It's still a lot, though. I mean, if you're reading, like, 300 books a year, it's still a lot.
1: I'm more, I'm more, like, the 100 to 150 range, but... Gotcha. But, yeah, um, especially if, like, an author I really like has a, a book coming out, I might reread the books before it. Yes. Bef- I like having all the information fresh, sure. especially because there's so many interconnected things in these series, so...
0: And what about movies? Do you find yourself rewatching watching movies uh, that you like particularly? Definitely. Okay. Um, next we've got, which one of these bars plays a bigger role in the story? Um, can you sort of explain how uh, the genre of, like, bar slash... Can you... Also, can you explain what a gaming hell is? So when I initially pitched this idea of uh, reading... A romance novel and watching a movie uh at some point liz mentioned that like one of her favorite genres of romance is like gaming hell and that yep. i had never heard of that and so she settled for bar <laughs> <books>. so,
1: <laughs> yeah explain
0: so this to the audience please. sure
1: um, it's, it's specifically
0: a thing that happens in uh, historical
1: romance um typically the, the historical, I tend to lean toward, would be more like your Victorian era of, of England. Um, and the gaming hell would be like the, like the, the guys would have like their gentleman clubs that they'd go to where they'd gamble and drink and things like that. And they're like kind of like the hierarchy of like, oh, the fancier ones. Um, and typically you have to be a member in order to go to any of them. But, like, a gaming hell specifically be, like, a little bit seedier. And even if it is, like, the place where everyone wants to be because it's better run and has better, better booze, better women, better gambling happening there. Um, but typically it's more of a, a, it's a scandalous place to be. Okay. So it's like a casino, kind of uh, part casino, part bar, part brothel. All
0: right. That sounds good. Um. So we're gonna discuss which one of these pieces of media had the bar play a bigger role in the story because uh, Liz had mentioned before we started recording that usually a bar is sort of a a character will go in and that's when their story will kick off or their arc will start. Um, we mentioned we're gonna talk about which one of these uh pieces of media did a good job portraying a more realistic bar. And then we followed that up with the last criteria. Which one of these bars would we want to actually visit? Um, the Cardiac Arrest but So the, there's Cardiac Arrest, and then there's Fierce Brewing. And then in Roadhouse, they've got uh, Bandstand, which it seemed like it was in a major city. It could have been yeah. New York. I don't know. And then the Double Deuce takes like four iterations, so we can count any of those. So okay. where do you want to start with our criteria? Which one okay. do you want to discuss first?
1: Uh, let's do the rewatchable, re-readable.
0: Okay. Uh, which one of these are you going to consume again? Uh, Roadhouse, definitely. Same. Why would you pick that one?
1: Well, first off, I really like Patrick Swayze, R.I.P. Right. Um, and I don't know. It just has that like that very gritty 80s feel to it. Um it also I think is a more interesting plot. Um the music in it is fantastic. I like just seeing I mean and there is that you know, there is that hint of romance between him and the doctor, which is always a plus for me. Um but I just I don't know, I just really enjoyed it and finished it and I was like, yeah, I I'd rewatch that. You know, maybe not immediately, but like in a year or two again. I'd I'd go for it again.
0: I found myself, like, pushing to keep reading The Brainy Bartender. Um, And I don't particularly, like, I wanted to get lost in the story, you know? But I kept, like, checking to see. I'm like, okay, I got to do 20% each day if I'm going to finish by Monday. And I'm just like, ah. You know, like. And then I did find myself looking for, like, grammatical errors or punctuation errors. And that's not that's not what I'm supposed to be doing, you know. I'm yeah. Really interested in reading it for I do, the content.
1: I do feel like my... Because, I mean, I, I, I can typically turn off my writer and editor brain when reading books, but I felt like this one it was more difficult for me. Like, I feel like I kept being pulled out of it and then like reading a silly line to Jeremy and being like, (gasps) and then going back, back into it. Um, and I think
0: it's not that the silly lines don't exist in roadhouse. And that brings me to what Jeremy shared with both of us. It's called pain. Don't hurt. And it's from, uh, the attention deficit disorderly website, um, Written by Sean T. Collins. I'll share this in the show notes. He wrote. He he does a post every single day of the year 2019, and mm-hmm. each post is about an aspect, a character, or something that happens in the movie Roadhouse. And so this kind of goes with the rewatchability. One, when you rewatch a movie, you can go back and find more. Yes. Uh, more things that were sort of interwoven that your attention was drawn elsewhere because there's a lot going on in this movie. Mm -hmm. But also just like when he says the soup, like he's sitting there with the doctor getting staples put in, he says she, she gets some anesthetic and he's like, I don't need that. She, he says a lot. You're going to be in a lot of pain. He says, pain don't hurt. Like that's a dumb line. But that doesn't take me out of it, if anything, that draws me into how, what is this guy's deal? Why would he say that? And then immediately flinch. Like, clearly, pain hurt. Like, you know, Uh,
1: pain do hurt. My my favorite ridiculous line from it was, how about we get nipple to nipple? And
0: I was like, what the fuck type of pickup line is that? But then she, like, follows it up immediately with, I can do that myself, like... I don't think you fully understood what the situation was here, but he's certainly <laughs> upset that she she left him there. Like, <laughs> in the brandy bartender, I was, I kept getting pulled out of the reality when they yeah. say these lines because, like, when she tells her mom off and she's like, "Yeah, and he's pretty good in the sack too," I'm like, "Oh my god, why would she? What? What are you talking about?" Like,
1: I agree. Yeah, it makes me sad because I I wanted your first romance book to be a good
0: experience. <laughs> but, it's 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 a lot like with eighty movies, with movies from the eighties. Like all of them aren't good, but yeah. some of them belong in a different category because they, they somehow transcend film. You know, it's like oh, yeah. this isn't a movie about a bar. This is Roadhouse. This is a movie in the eighties. You're like, oh okay, that makes sense. <laughs> So, which movie do you think portrayed a bar that played a bigger role in the story? Like which bar was more of a character?
1: Um, I would think Roadhouse, I think. Um, like in The Brainy Bartender, the bar was definitely very important. It was his life, he's like it's all about pretty much his entire plot line is like deciding if he wants to grow it and expand it and like she uses the bar as a place to experiment finding like who she really is like it is it it is important but i feel like that could have easily have been another setting whereas with roadhouse i mean without the bar there is no movie
0: yes it's just patrick swayze living above a barn (laughs) <laughs> fall in love with a doctor and helping her uncle like at the, you know, in, in the garage shop or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with you. I thought, like, we physically watch the bar transform as sort of Patrick Swayze develops the town and changes the attitude of Yeah. The there. So like, we see it go from a place where like th- there's like people are stealing from it, people are having sex in the back room, people, people are, are selling
1: drugs, right. people are constantly throwing things at the house band that have to be behind a fence. Uh, yeah, like they're, they're
0: trying to assault a blind guy. Like that's so mean. Just let him play yeah. his guitar.
1: Yeah, yeah, and, that bar was rough. <laughs>
0: again, one of the ridiculous lines, he's like, yeah, we gotta sweep up the eyeballs at the end of the night. Like, what in the hell are you talking about?
1: Yeah. And
0: then you see it, like, you know, everyone's polite and people are enjoying themselves and no one's acting dangerously. They're just, everyone's enjoying, like, having a good time. Yeah. And people are in the bar successful and the people are successful on this stuff. Uh, So I definitely agree with you there that the bar is a bigger role in the story. Uh, Which bar did you think was more realistic? Like you were watching it on screen and you're like, I get it. Or you're reading it. You're like, I can, I can picture this in my head. There's no problem with that.
1: Um, well, I mean, like I've been to some seedy Missouri middle of nowhere bars. So like, I would believe that the first existence of roadhouse Probably to some degree, like I think they're definitely playing it up, right? Like they're they're exaggerating just how rough and tough yes. that area is. Um, I do think once it's cleaned up, that was a very very realistic small town bar. Like I feel like we could have easily have been hanging out there in Kirksville.
0: Fun fact: Had you ever gone to the bar across the train tracks called the Full Moon? I did not. Okay, you're missing out because that was straight up. The double deuce. Like, they had a stripper pole in the middle of the dance floor. They had live music every night. It was a biker bar. It was insane. Like, it, so much of it remind. Like, I never saw a fight break out there, but they were still, so, like, they had an active cigarette machine well into the 2000s. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> just all this stuff that, like, it belonged to another era. And that yeah. was 1989's Patrick Swayze's. <laughs>
1: Era. <laughs> um, I do think that cardiac arrest also seems very realistic of like a bar, like pub kind of place that you would go. Like it, it kind of sounds like a if you were going maybe to like a medical themed Llewellyn's or you know, something that has a bar and also has food, um, but, like, it's not as specialized as, like, going to, I don't know, like, Planter's House or one of those, like, nice cocktail places.
0: So I'm going to say that the Roadhouse was more realistic because the things that were missing for me with the Brainy Bartender one was, like, he just kept calling it a bar. Yeah. And he kept talking about how... You know, only like degenerates would go there, but they gave no Im- implication that like it was seedy. You know, there, he he never had a, He never had to throw anybody out who was drunk. He never had to worry about people who were underage. He never had to deal with like getting rides for people who were who couldn't drive home. Like he he never did any bartender stuff. And yeah. Also, I think they said that it closed at eleven every night. <laughs> And I, so that that took me. I'm like, are you sure? Like,
1: <laughs> well, that's why it almost makes me think it's more like a Schlafly kind of place. That like, it's you know, it does only stay open till like eleven or midnight. But
0: then they never mention having any like trivia nights or movie nights. Or right. They don't have anything going on at this bar.
1: No, it sounds actually pretty boring. Like it's just like if you're out walking the streets, you're like, oh, okay, this place serves food. I guess I'll pop it in here. Kind of thing, like, <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah. So, which did you think was more realistic?
1: Uh, I think the cleaned up version of Roadhouse of the Double Days. Okay,
0: now, last of all, which bar are you going to visit?
1: Hmm. <laughs> Is it sad? I would rather visit the the brew pub that's in Brainy Bartender. Oh, I that, other... that counts. Okay, yeah, I think that would be where I would end up, <laughs> of all of them. Even though that's not the main bar in the book, they do go there twice and they talk about it, but I would probably more likely go to that location than any of the other
0: locations. So you don't want to see a wet G-string contest?
1: <laughs> no, that's not my scene at all. <laughs> or
0: like multiple even... people just being murdered. <laughs> like... Because that happened, like, people were getting, like, fatal, fatally wounded yeah. <laughs> in the parking lot of this bar. Because,
1: like, even when we lived in Kirksville, like, you know, I, I pretty much stuck to, like, Woody's and the Duke'um. Yeah. Yeah. I, I didn't do any of the other, even the more, like, still technically college-y ones,
0: but some a of them were...
1: Daddy's fan. Oh, I loved Wrong Daddies. Don't get me wrong. So I saw
0: a couple fights break out there, but it was mostly, like, guys who were too drunk just not listening to the bouncer and then falling uh-huh. down and then just <laughs> sort of getting, like, whisked out of the bar.
1: And then Geno's 70s nightclub. Oh, that was great. Oh, my
0: God. I yes. for when you did
1: Yes. For when you wanted to dance but didn't feel like being at Wrong Daddies, you went to Geno's with the light-up dance floor.
0: That place was a movie in and of itself. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, but I also just thought, like, even the bar at the beginning that Patrick Swayze is running, like, <laughs> has a man just, like, assault a woman out of nowhere. like yeah! ever, Like, very literally, like, almost not per, uh, provoked at all. He just, like, straight-up kicks her s- as hard as he can. <laughs> and she has a knife! And I'm like, whoa, okay. Like... I, I got to stick to, I guess, the Charleston scene where everybody goes to bed at 1130. So. <laughs> Although I do have to say that like cinnamon whiskey is one of my least favorite things in the world. So
1: I do not like it either.
0: It, it tried to kill me one time, so I can't can't think that that's a good choice to have at a bar. But I guess they all have to have it. So,
1: yeah, it's like um, off brand fireball
0: fanfare aside we've got roadhouse as our winner here uh even though we would like to visit one of the bars and the brainy bartender everything else is road uh patrick swayze takes it away no question um we'll be back in just a moment with some recommendations and i came up with a fun segment to do with uh some of the the nonsense that we've been checking out All right, and we're back, and uh, before Liz gives you all of her uh, deets where you can follow her and catch up with all of her stuff, we're going to play a fun game I'm calling Cocky Hero Club or Cologne Name. (laughs) Uh, So while I was checking out the, like, incredible array of romance novels that belong in this Cocky Hero Club, which... Can you explain to me why the, they have a goat on there?
1: Yeah, so okay. um, in the first book that v, um, v. Keelan and Penelope Ward wrote together, which was Cocky Bastard, uh, they're, they're a goat, the guy, like I don't exactly, it's been so long since I've read it, but a goat plays a role. And okay. then that goat gets mentioned in pretty much all the other books that they wrote. Like, it's either, like, yeah, I met this weird Australian guy with this goat, and he gave me some advice, or, yeah, this guy watched by was a goat. That's weird. Like, he just kind of pops up. Okay, so that's, the
0: they're just on brand. That makes sense. Yes, it's, like, their little mascot now. Okay, I could support that. Okay, mm-hmm. now, uh, I'm going to give you a name, and then you're going to tell me, is it a cocky hero title or is it a cologne
1: i love this
0: all right uh the first one is in love again mm, i'm been say cologne you're correct it's a 1998 cologne by saint laurent or saint laurent maybe <laughs> okay next we've got body power That sounds like a cologne. It is. It's a 2000 Estee Lauder. You're pretty good so far. Okay. Next is Hotshot Deceiver.
1: That's definitely part of the cocky hero.
0: It's uh, by K.E. Osborne, and it was written this year, 2020. Good start. Okay, uh, next we've got Reckless Suit.
1: Ooh. The word suit is really common in romance novels. I'm going to go with The Cocky Heroes.
0: And you you got it. It's by Alexia Chase. She also wrote it in 2020. Uh, next, we've got Cruel Beloved. Cruel mm-hmm. Beloved. That sounds like a cologne. This is your first mistake. It's no! T.L. Smith in the year 2020. Uh, Next, we've got Rogue Man.
1: Oh, shit. I'm going to say Cologne.
0: You're right. It's Rihanna's 2014 Cologne Rogue Man. (laughs) (laughs) And then what about Jockey Club?
1: That's the cocky heroes. It is not. It's not it's
0: an 1840 cologne developed by dr. Hazard which also sounds like he'd be a cocky hero <laughs> okay I've got I've got four more one we've got vanilla musk that has to be a cologne that's right yeah that's that was okay. i that was just a good one and then we've got rocker femme fantasy
1: oh. Is that Cocky Hero?
0: It is not. It's Britney uh, Spears' 2014 cologne, or maybe. Oh,
1: Come on, Britney.
0: Uh, then we've got Layover Lover. Cocky Heroes. By uh, so this is a dual one. This is by this is by Janine Colette and Lauren Runnow in 2020, of course, and then Secret Keeper.
1: Ooh, that could go either way. I'm going to say cocky heroes.
0: Correct, by Christopher Harlan. You have a guy writing them, I guess. Is that common?
1: Uh, it's not common, but it happens.
0: Okay. Um, it was pretty. Some of them were pretty easy to. So I just kept them off. Like, there's probably like 40 more cocky hero club ones. Like, I could have done uh, egotistical player. I'm like, that's yeah. a little. That's a little too easy. And then yeah. Like, a lot of them had the word "bastard" in there, and I'm like, I don't know about that. So. <laughs> uh, uh, but thanks for playing. You clearly won. You you only messed up twice, and I think Brittany Brittany's pretty good. Rocker Femme Fantasy sounds like right up that cocky hero alley. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a piece of media you would like to recommend? That's about a bar, whether it's a romance novel or a movie.
1: Sure. Um let's see I have a couple books um I like Straight up Irish by Megan Vernon that's m a g-a n v e-r n o n um that's a romance novel uh about I mean it's about an Irish family that owns like a whiskey distillery so like oh. super up my alley um it's really silly though because, he wants, like, the brothers want to take over the distillery, um, but it's, like, written in the contract that, like, they have to be married by a certain age and they didn't know this. So he has to find a wife in order to keep his distillery. Um, And that's contemporary, which is funny. Um, And... I also like the Fisher brothers series by Jay Sterling. Um, and that's like four or three or four books that follow like each of the different brothers that work and own, um, their own bartender or their own bar. Um, there's probably a bunch of others also, but those are the ones I could easily find. <laughs> yeah. Um, and if you haven't seen Coyote Ugly, like, you just need to. It's just, it's one of those things that everyone should see that movie at least once, because it's so, it's so silly and wonderful.
0: <laughs> okay, great. That's a lot of good recommendations. Um, I guess I'm going to recommend, like, season one or two of Cheers. I don't know. Oh, good. Yeah, we've hmm. been working our way through Cheers. Got that Sam and Diane going. Then like, even before Woody Harrelson gets there, it's pretty good. But Woody Harrelson yeah. is pretty good, too. So, I I, I, I do love Woody's character. Stick around till he gets there. I don't know how I feel about the Christy Alley change um, because I haven't seen it in a long time. So
1: it grew on me. Initially, I wasn't in love with it. I think we're on like season seven now, um, and I, I like initially I wasn't super
0: on board, but then it it grew on me and I like her. Okay, that sounds good. That's that's a pretty good recommendation. <laughs> Uh, and now let's go on to the plug part. So Liz, uh where can people find all your good content?
1: Uh yeah, all of my shows are at calamity all of my shows are at calamitycast.com. Um and then, you know, if you if whatever show you like, you can get that at the website, but also we're available on all podcast platforms. Um, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm Zerkinator, and that's Z-E-R-K-I-N-A-T-O-R. And if you want to follow me on Instagram and see pictures of food and my cocktails and my kitty cat, (laughs) you can follow me at l Zirkel, which is L-Z-E-R-K-E-L. Awesome.
0: Thanks for sharing. Uh, so today you got a lot of content about bars, if you want to check that stuff out. It's kind of sad right <laughs> now because you can't leave your house without uh, worrying about going to a bar. But yeah,
1: please don't actually go to any bars right now.
0: This is just to remind you that you should read and watch some stuff now and then uh, go do this once you get your vaccine. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just enjoy this content now and then drink outside later. Um, yes. So, this has been comparing apples to oranges. Uh, thanks so much for coming along today. I'm Mike. And I'm Liz. We'll catch you next time. Bye. <laughs> thanks for listening hope you enjoyed that little ditty there from roadhouse this was episode 53 of the podcast and i hope you liked it got that blogger site up and running i mean you know as much as it can be uh i got some good stuff in the show notes today so maybe you can play romance novel title or perfume fragrance or at home i know we got a lot of free time right now uh any comments or ideas for future episodes of the podcast go ahead and send it to twitter that's at the Cato Podcast, all one word, or email us at Cato Podcast gmail.com. The intro, outro, music, bed, music was thumbs up by the great artist Leisure B. If you liked it, go ahead and check out more of his stuff at humanworkshop.com. We'll catch you next month. Bye.